Hey, I want us to talk about joy. If you probably pick up the theme and the music today, we're going to talk about joy. Because at Christmas time, I mean, we talk, we use this word joy all the time. It's in all the different carols. We talk about joy, but I wonder sometimes, why does it feel like it's so fleeting in our life? Like, why is it that we're just constantly in search for joy? I mean, at Christmas time, we look at all the choices that, cre- that should create joy in our life. But here at the Christmas season, you'd think it'd be easy. And yet, I read a report Thursday that said that 50%, roughly 50% of the American adult population, if you were to rank the amount of anxiety or stress in your life, and you were to scale it at 10, you are riddled with anxiety and stress. And at one, you're you're radically at peace with your life. 50% said their number was five or higher. At 9.30, I said, how many of you would give yourself a number that's five or higher? Roughly 50% of the audience said, that's me. So I'm assuming that would probably be true here at 11 o'clock, possibly even higher. The second part of the study said that in a month's time, that number would extend to about 80%. Not just in that moment or in that week, but over a month, 80% of American adults would say that they experience some degree of significant stress or anxiety in their life. And you think, well, then wait a minute. The Bible talks about how we're to be filled with joy. Then how come that that's not happening in our life? Because Christianity is designed to be a joy-filled faith. So what went wrong? If you have a Bible or you have a device that has a Bible on it, go ahead and find the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth gospel, the fourth book in the New Testament, and find the 15th chapter. We're going to be in beginning in verse 9. If you don't have a Bible or device, don't worry about it. We'll have the words on the screen. And if you would be so kind, would you stand in honor of the reading and the hearing of God's Word? Because in verse 9, these are the words of Jesus the Lord. He says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. And just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Say those words with me. My joy. Say it one more time. My joy. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with, say it again, my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves, now you are my friends. Say those last two words with me, my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Remember those three words, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my command, love each other. Lord, thank you for your word, the fact that it never returns void and it always accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. And I pray, Lord, in this time today, we would hear your word and we would respond to it in such a way that we could feel your presence so real that you might fill us with your joy. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So as you take a look at the word of God and you read the word of God, the question then comes up, then how do I become a joy-filled Christian. How do I become that person? Well, in the Bible, in the Christmas story alone, it uses the term joy at least eight times. 
I mean, that's why we say Merry Christmas. It's a celebration of a joyous event, the birth of the Savior of the world. Now think with me, what brings joy to your life? Or maybe the question ought to be, what is joy anyway? I mean, we know that part of it is an emotion, but we also know that it's far more than that. Like the the word that we most often connect joy with is happiness. And everyone I know wants to be happy. I don't know anybody that woke up this morning, looked in the mirror and said, you know what my goal is today? I want to be miserable. I mean, everybody I know wants to experience happiness, but let's face it, we don't always experience happiness in our life. When you look at happiness, the reason is that happiness is based on what happens. It's your external circumstances, what happens in and around your life. And that makes it temporary because those things change constantly. It depends on what happens to you and around you, and that allows us to experience happiness. The best way I can describe happiness is when you drive off the lot with a brand new car and you've got that smell. There's no smell like a brand new car until you're running late and you run through McDonald's and you get a quarter pounder with cheese and you drop the mustard, the ketchup, and the onions between the seat and the console. And then that new car smell is gone. And you're thinking to yourself, why did I, why did I make a car payment on this of $700 a month when it smells like onions? Are you with me? This is how happiness works. Look at joy though, on the other hand, joy according to God's word, is based on your choices. It is a choice that you make. It is based on your inner character. It is long-lasting because it is a choice you make. You can have joy in the middle of grief and chaos. I say this at every funeral of a person that follows Jesus. That person isn't in the box. You can grieve the loss of that person but you can simultaneously have joy for the fact that they won, they are now in heaven, and they're perfectly healthy. No more cancer, no more problems, no more worries, no more sorrow. You can be sad that you miss them personally, but you must be filled with joy as a believer for where they're at. They won the race. Are you with me? And so as you look at this, you say, happiness then depends on where you're at at the moment. But I want you to to see this. I believe we have it on the screen for you. This this word that helps us understand joy. Joy, the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. Now, you say, well, where does that come from? Let's go back to the text. The text says... (coughs) Jesus said, I love you just like the Father loves me. His love flows through me to you. I obey the Father, and I'm calling you to obey me the way I obey him. And when you do, here's what happens. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with, what are those two words? My joy. Now watch this. This is a critical part to joy. If you're looking for joy anywhere than in the presence of Christ, you're going to miss joy. Because he says joy is found in him. It's not in the car. It's not in the gift. It's not in the promotion. It's not in the job. It's not in the home. It's not in the second home. It's not even in the boat, as wonderful as that is. Joy 
he says is found in him. How do we find joy in him? Well, let me just say it again. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. And then he goes on and says, not just filled, he says, yes, your joy will overflow. You know what that means? That means it spills out on the people around you. You know why you go to the Yucatan? You know why you go to Uvalde? You know why you do this in our local schools? So that joy might overflow on the people around us and they may be captivated by the same Jesus that gave us his joy, right? And so when you look at this, you say, it may not be okay right now, but you know that God is in control and will work it out. Joy is a determined choice to praise God in all things. Now, that's a lot different than just feeling good because joy is a choice. God wants you to live a joy-filled life. I mean, this world would be a better place. There'd be less crime. There'd be more peace. We would have less strife. There'd be far less anxiety. If somehow we could figure out how could I live with his joy? You say, well, then what happens to that joy? Why don't I stay filled with joy? Because joy will leak out of us like the rainstorm in an uncovered Jeep that's 10 years old and had a rusted floorboard, it will leak out of it. Joy leaks from us, and it leaks from us because there are some things in our life that are joy thieves that rob us of our joy. And we get to choose how we respond to them, and that determines how bad the leak is. Are you with me? Because when you look at this, we know we live in a negative world. We know we live in a sin-filled world. We know we live in a world where things aren't presented to us in a way that should give us hope and confidence, except for in this one book, except for in the one God of this book, except for in his son that came to give us joy. But you see, our challenge is we want to fill our soul with everything but this book, and we believe that that then was going to give us happiness. The whole while knowing that the only thing we have is the promise of God that says, I will fill you with my joy when you choose to follow and obey me. You see, joy is simultaneously choosing and accepting. Choosing the mind of Christ, Lord, I want to trust you, I want to obey you. Now, it's important to recognize a lot of us see Christianity as do's and don'ts and checklists. If I do this, God does that. Listen, God is not transactional. God is transformational. God is not in the transaction. He is in the transformation. And when we begin to see God as transformational, not transactional, we won't treat God like a to-do list. We will treat God as the everlasting Savior of the world. And when we see that, we will then treat his word like we should. And we will recognize he gave this to us to prove to us that we can make the choice every day to be joy-filled. We can choose to receive the mind of Christ while simultaneously accepting his grace and his joy. Now watch this. I choose to obey Christ. And what were the, what were the rules? What's the standard that he put down? What's the commandment that said mattered most? He said nothing else mattered except for this. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love others as you love yourself. Period. You say, but Chuck, what about all the smoking, drinking, chewing, spitting, cussing? What about all that? He said, all that stuff hangs way underneath this because if you'll love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love others as you're to love yourself, all the rest of us will fix itself. But you got to do those. But Chuck, you mean, I, 
I don't have to join a church. That's not what he said. Love God, love others as you love yourself. Do I have to be baptized? Love God, love others as you love yourself. But Chuck, there's got to be a rule list. There is. Love God, love others, love yourself, right? And when we do those things, we're filled with joy, simultaneously choosing every day. God, I want to be filled with joy. So Chuck, okay, can you just give me at least, I'm kind of a list person. Can you give me kind of a one, two, three? How do I get this joy? Are you ready? It is so ridiculous and simple. Every day you ask for it. Okay, Chuck, I don't pray. I don't know how to pray. I'm not good at prayer. I mean, I don't do God talk well. Okay, watch this. You ready? God, would you reveal to me today exactly what you have for me? And would you give me wisdom? Okay, Chuck, that doesn't sound very prayerful. Oh, I think that's deeply prayerful. But but Chuck, I, I I don't have time to pray. I did that in less than 10 seconds. Do you think God is limited by how long you pray? No, he just wants you to talk to him. So literally start your day choosing joy, right? The second thing, get in his word. You don't get in his word, you're never gonna get joy. You say, but Chuck, I don't have time to read the Bible. That's why we give you the weekday podcast every morning. Get scripture in you. It's like a probiotic that goes to work giving you joy. But get in the word of God. And then third, okay, if you're gonna ask for wisdom and you're gonna get wisdom in the word, act on it. Be willing when you ask for wisdom and God's direction to see him give you that direction all through the days in a million little things and then give him credit and glory for it. Don't try to talk yourself out of things that are spiritual. Well, Lord, you know, I I don't know. I I don't want to over-spiritualize that. Stop it. Go ahead. I mean, you cannot over-spiritualize Jesus. You can't do it. You can't over-spiritualize the Spirit of God. Go ahead. Well, Chuck, if I I get like super spiritual, people are going to think I'm weird. They think you're weird already. I mean, just go with it, right? I mean, if I'm going to be weird, I'm going to go down in flames, man. I want, I'm doing the whole thing, right? I mean, I want all of Jesus I can get. You know, the good news is I know how much Jesus you want right now because I know how much Jesus you have. You have all you want. So you get to choose this. Do I want his joy? Now, the first thief is anxiety. I mean, remember that poll? I mean, we're filled. Half of us right now are filled with some level of anxiety or stress. We were just maxed out, right? I mean, everywhere I go, that's what I hear. Just to be honest with you, I woke up 4 o'clock this morning, couldn't sleep, riddled with anxiety. Had no idea why. Couldn't even put my fingers on it. Yeah, I know I'm not supposed to admit that. I'm supposed to have all my junk together. Your pastor does not have his junk together, right? I mean, I am as big a mess as any of you are. I promise you, probably more so. So I wake up, I'm riddled. It's Sunday. I'm supposed to be fired up about preaching. I'm supposed to be at peace. I'm supposed to have my junk together. I'm supposed to have slept well. I couldn't sleep. I'm riddled with anxiety. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I go downstairs and I'm thinking to myself, all right, you know, Chuck, maybe for once you need to shut up and hear your own sermon. And I started realizing anxiety is placed on me by the presence of Satan. And while he has power, He has no authority over my life. And the presence of joy will kick Satan in the teeth and boot that anxiety out of my life. And I began to ask the Lord, would you take this and replace it with your joy? And I'll promise you, he began doing that. I mean, I'll promise you he started. Some of you men in the room, listen to me. Some of you guys are thinking, it doesn't work like that, Chuck. This is real life. No, that is a real God who has the power to kick Satan in the teeth and do a work on your anxiety. Let him do it. When I watch this, you say, well, I, 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 I want to get rid of that. Anxiety and joy do not cohabitate. You either trust God to fill you with joy, but I promise you, you cannot, it is impossible to be halfway filled with joy. 
You either filled with joy or you have no joy. And that's your choice. This is not based on external feelings. This is not about external circumstances. It's about the presence of Christ in you. Mary was a young teenager. We talked last week. She was under 16 years old when the angel said, you're going to have a baby. How would you like to go home and tell your mom? Hey, mom, I'm pregnant, but I didn't do anything. Yeah, sure. Uh, Joseph, I, it's not your kid, but listen to me. The angel told me it was God's son, and you're going to raise it. Okay, little anxiety, small town, little gossip going on, worse than church gossip. I mean, it was just all kind of stuff going on, right? So a little harlot, a little hussy. Can you believe she did that? He could have had her stoned. But now watch this. The virgin birth created a lot of stress, right? And in that stress, Mary made a choice. And you know what her choice was? Here's the first choice she made. If you're taking notes, jot this down. When Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God's plan. She chose to trust God's plan. Most of us, when we're filled with anxiety, the last thing we do is choose to trust God's plan. But in choosing to trust God's plan is where we get to kick Satan in the teeth and let joy overrule anxiety. The angel was telling Mary that God had chosen her. I mean, literally, he said, you have been chosen. You remember what she said? How does this happen? How does this happen? Can you, the angel saying, well, sweetheart, listen, God looked at you and said, you're perfect for this. You're going to have his own son and people are going to love you for the rest of the world. And they're not going to understand you. And right now it's going to feel really weird, but if you'll let the plan of God play out, it's going to be awesome. And she chose to trust his plan. Unfortunately, most of us don't make Mary's choice and we miss out on our purpose in this life. And you say, but I'm not Mary, Chuck. Oh, no, no, no. You are definitely Mary. You are, you are absolutely Mary and Joseph in this room. God made a perfect plan for your life. I mean, let me pause for just a minute. What are you anxious about this Christmas? I mean, you, you're worried about your marriage, you're worried about your family, you're worried about your job, your health, your finances, you're worried about your parents. I mean, you're worried about, I'm going to be lonely forever. What is it you're worried about? I don't know what you're worried about, but I know this, that you got to at some point choose to trust God and accept his plan for your life. Mary said, I am willing to accept whatever God has for my life with joy. You can choose joy. You are stressed because you haven't made the Mary decision. I'm going to trust God in everything he's allowed to happen in my life. And I'm going to choose joy to defeat it. You say, but Chuck, I, that, that didn't make any sense. Well, the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Esther, the queen, said, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. What if right now God wants to use you where you're at? to be Mary and Joseph. Romans 8, 28, the one that we totally mess, mess up. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That word called is not a one-way term. That word called is he has called you to a purpose and you answer to that purpose. So when it says all things work out to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, it works out for those that hear his call, accept his call, and go to his call. Are you with me? See, don't be, don't be running around quoting the scripture saying, well, God's just going to make it all work out. No, he's going to work it out if you choose his plan, if you respond to it. The psalmist said in, verse, in chapter 32, verse 8, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I will advise and watch over you. These promises, my friend, are talking about you. They're for you. That's the result of saying, God, I trust you. That's like saying, 
I want your joy, so I trust your plan. Friend, your spirit is not going to find joy on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. If anything, it's going to rob you of your joy because you're going to compare everything, including how many people like what you post. And in the grand scheme of things, can you imagine God walking through the hallways going, ooh, only six likes on that one. I don't know how I could possibly use you. You only got six likes. I mean, think about it. Do we believe God is limited to something as dumb as Facebook? I mean, seriously. Our spirit finds joy in God our Savior, and we have to trust him and accept his plan. But be careful here, because when you trust God's plan, it will always be about people. And the minute you start trying to serve Jesus, there are going to be people that are not going to like you. He said they're going to hate you just like they first hated me. So get ready, because there are going to be people who say, well, you're, you're, just, you're, you're just too spiritual now. Well, praise God. I mean, this is how you're going to change the world. But now, the second thief of joy is resentment and bitterness. Resentment will literally steal your joy. I mean, just like you can't be anxious and joy-filled at the same time, you can't be resentful and bitter at the same time and be joy-filled. When you hang on to what has hurt you, you are literally swallowing a poison designed to kill somebody else, but it's eating you up from the inside out. You know, this is something I've learned about resentment and hurt. Every human I know has been hurt by an action or a word. And most of us have been hurt multiple times by multiple people in multiple ways. And if we're not careful, we'll hang on to that bitterness to the degree that we become the one that is hate-filled and literally joy will not live with resentment and bitterness any more than it will anxiety. We live in a broken world. That's why we're hurt. We live in a sin-filled world. That's why it's not fair. But God never said it'd be fair. God said it'd be just. If we got what we earned, we deserve hell. But you see, Jesus came along and he said, I know that you've been prejudiced against. I know you've been looked over for emotion. I know you've been betrayed. But maybe you felt rejected and it's just not easy to get past it. I don't know how you've been hurt. But I know that you have to deal with your response to that hurt more than you have to deal with the hurt. The biggest issue is not going to try to talk it out with somebody. It's trying to do the inside job. It's the willingness to start the season of forgiveness that says, I want you, Jesus, to replace this bitterness and hurt with your joy. Would you begin that process in my life? You say, but wait a minute, I, I feel like I need to go tell that person. Okay, maybe you do. But I would just say to you, you need to deal with inside before you need to deal with them. Because if your heart's not right about that, you're just going to go fuss and you're going to hurt them. And then you're just going to perpetuate the same cycle. I mean, some of you live in families where all you do is hurt one another. Every season, every holiday, is one more hurt. And all I'd say to you is begin that process right now because there's something inside of many of you right now that heard this about resentment and bitterness and hurt and something or someone came to your mind. And I would say this is where Jesus does his best work, where he replaces that sin-filled anger, that sin-filled bitterness, that sin-filled resentment and replaces it with his joy. How do I know that? Because he wants to give you his joy. How does he do that when we obey him? What did Jesus say? He said, if you'll learn to forgive like I've forgiven you, then I'll present you before the Father above. Wait a minute, Chuck, you mean Jesus expects me to forgive? Does he know what they've done? Well, of course he does. I mean, think about it. He was beaten, stripped, spat upon, cursed, a crown of thorns placed upon him beaten to where he was absolutely not even recognizable, placed on a cross, nails driven in his hands and his feet, died there for something he never did, and then rose from the grave so that he could defeat death and sin and bitterness and resentment in your soul. 
I mean, of course he wants you to get rid of that. But back to the story. Mary, have you ever thought about how Joseph had to feel, though? I mean, can you imagine? Um, his buddy says, hey, I heard that Mary's pregnant. Dude, how about that? I mean, boy talk. Yeah. And just like, no, bro, I hadn't been with her. Whoa. Dude, sorry. Can you imagine? Joseph hurt, betrayed, bitter, until such time as the angel comes to him and says, hey, listen, it really was me. And I, but prior to the angel coming to him, why do you think that the angel doesn't go to Joseph and Mary at the same time? I mean, we have this belief that that happened simultaneously, but he didn't. The scriptures are clear. Mary gets it first. Joseph gets it later. Why? Because God is doing in Joseph what God wants to do in us, build and grow our faith. If everything was peachy, we'd never trust God. If there's no suffering in the world, we'd never ask for God's help because we'd be just like the people of Israel and we'd think it's all about us. I mean, he's hurt, he's disappointed, but then he hears from God. And after hearing from the Lord, Joseph doesn't respond with anger and hurt. If you're taking notes, here's the second point. When Joseph was hurt, he chose grace. Listen to me, friend. You will never, ever go wrong when you choose the highest road of grace, ever. When Jesus chose to extend grace to a world that was waiting to kill him, he modeled for me and you that when people hurt, betray, and wound us, the single greatest thing was to extend grace, and that's how you don't hang on to it and allow them to keep hurting you for years after the event because as long as you hold on to it, you're giving them permission to keep hurting you over and over and over and over and over again. And before long, you become the hate-filled person, and there's no room in a hate-filled person for the joy of Jesus to reign. Chuck, listen, that's, that sounds hardcore, but listen to me. Joseph doesn't attack, he offers grace. Even before God speaks to him, he doesn't try to humiliate her. I mean, he's thinking, well, maybe we just cancel the wedding. He doesn't try to embarrass her. Listen, are you struggling with hurt, with resentment, with bitterness? That might be the same, that, 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 that might be the sole reason why you're not experiencing joy right now is that you're hanging on to it. If you are, that's one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why there's no room in your soul for joy. You cannot be resentful and joyful at the same time. Hanging on to your bitterness, hanging on to your hurt, it won't make you better. It'll only make you bitter. And some of us have had people hurt us in the past, but we can't keep giving them permission to hurt us. Listen, friend, you don't forgive people because they deserve it. You forgive people because you no longer want to hang on to the pain. That's a great reason. After Joseph chose to forgive, the angel appears to him, and Joseph didn't get bitter. He was blessed with the responsibility of raising Jesus. Now you have a choice. You want to get bitter, or do you want to be blessed? You can have joy instead of bitterness and anger. And the final one that steals our joy is confusion. We live in a world today that's radically confused, trying to figure out direction. I mean, we don't know their guys are guys and girls are girls. And I mean, I was filling out a form on, on a thing last night just to get an app on my phone, and it gave me 14 choices of what I am. I, one, I hurt for you if you're wrestling with this. Please hear me. I hurt for you radically if you're wrestling with this. But could, could I just stop and say, when the Lord created man and woman, he said, here's man, and here's woman. God doesn't want you to have to live confused. 
He wants to infuse you with the presence of his direction and peace. But hear me, if you're wrestling with this, this is one of the reasons why we created Clear Path Counseling, so that people could find help. This is not as easy as, hey, you know, you know, Adam and Eve, you know, you know, is not Adam and Steve and all the other silly things preachers say, right? I mean, but these are real challenges that people are really struggling with. And rather than making fun of it, why can't we just meet it with grace and figure out how do we, how do we help people work their way through this? I mean, the church has got to figure out how do you love people? I don't, if, if somebody's trying to figure out if they're a boy or a girl, listen, rather than making fun of them, rather than beating them up, why don't we love them? Why don't we just help them? Why don't we just let them be able to find joy and then they can find direction in their life? Confusion will rob you of joy. I mean, it'll steal it from you. At that first Christmas, everybody was confused. I mean, everybody except the angels. Mary's confused. Joseph is confused. Herod is confused. I mean, Jerusalem is confused. Bethlehem is confused. The shepherds are confused. The wise men are confused. Everybody's trying to figure out what in the world is going on here. I mean, the wise men were confused as to how to find the king of kings. They didn't have a GPS. They didn't have a, they didn't have a map. They had a star, for goodness sake. I mean, you talk about a man's man. Hey, just follow the star. We're good. Grab that camel. Let's go. You know I mean? Come on. I mean, that, those are real men right there, dude. That, seriously, follow the star, baby. It's like, you put me out in the middle of nowhere and say, where's north? It's like, I, okay, where's my phone? right? I mean, these guys were figuring it out, man. I mean, real guys. Watch this. Third point. When wise men are confused, they follow one step at a time. They saw and they followed. This is our model. Like when these seekers arrived in Jerusalem and upset Herod to the degree that he's going to kill all the babies. I mean, once again, when you choose to follow after Jesus, people are not going to like it. They're going to come up with all kinds of things to say about you. And you know what Paul said? Wear it like a badge of honor. I am going to, listen, friend, if I go down in flames with people claiming that I love Jesus too much, I'll promise you that is an awesome experience. If you're going to be hated for anything, be hated that you got so much stinking joy in your life that Jesus is literally pouring out of you. I mean, this is the good thing. Herod wasn't going to worship the child. He was going to kill him. Why? Because he was threatened. But these wise men, though, after they talked with the king, they realized, wait a minute, this isn't good because God answers their prayers with a dream. Boys, don't go that way. That's not good. You go that way, you're never going to make it, and they're going to take your camels from you. Not cool. So what do they do? They hear the dream. They follow the star. They follow the journey. They keep seeking until they find where he's at. And what happens when they get there? What's the first thing they do? They worship him. They bow down. And they give him their treasure box. You know, that's a good statement to ask. What's in your treasure box? This Christmas, is it about the gifts you get? Is it about the gifts you give? Is, is, is it about family? Is it, what is it about? Because if it's anything other than Jesus, we miss the whole story. We miss everything. I mean, God isn't going to give us a map for our course. You know why? Because he's already given us one. And it's called the Bible. You say, Chuck, I don't have time to read the Bible but you have time to binge watch Yellowstone? Am, am I the only one that sees a little problem here? Chuck, I don't have time to read the Bible, but you have time to read the devotional book? I, but Chuck, I don't have time to read the Bible. I got, I, so it matters more that your kids get to practice than them seeing you read the Bible? Come on, Ch Chuck, that's just not fair. 
if your toes feel stepped on right now, let me assure you, I'm not the one stepping right now. But you see, God's already given you a map. I've already said, what are the first thing you do? I pray. What is that prayer? God, would you give me wisdom, direction? Would you let me see in all the million little things today, your handiwork in my life? Get in the scriptures. Chuck, where do I start? Well, it's Christmas. Why don't you read Luke? It's the story of Jesus. Dr. Luke gives a great accounting of the whole gospel story. Just start, look, why not? He said, well, Chuck, how much do I have to read? Today we read, it took us less than five minutes. I'd say go there. Well, Chuck, I don't really read good. I mean, I'm dyslexic and the whole Bible thing I can't really do. Okay, then listen to the weekday podcast. It's really simple, weekdaypodcast.com or download our app. Feeds it every day, gets you a piece of scripture, gets a little devotion, a little prayer time, boom, you're good. You say, well, Chuck, do you make it sound so easy? That's because it is. You say, well, Chuck, is this book going to tell me to take that job or not? No, but it's going to give you directions so that you can make a wise choice in God's way. Is this book going to tell me whether I should, how I discipline my child? Yeah, it probably will. Will, will, this, will this give me a piece and a direction in my life about how I'm supposed to go forward or backward or to the left or the right? Absolutely. You say, well, why didn't God make it easy? He did. It's right here. Well, Chuck, I don't, you know, I don't really do like, Bible thing? People look at me like I'm weird. Bible? Okay, do you own a phone? There are 38 different Bible apps you could download on your phone right now. There are 14 out there that you would, it would feed you a scripture every day, and if you want to listen to it, it'll let you listen to it. I mean, God's made this incredible. We live in the greatest technological age of all time to get scripture in your soul. And if you're saying here today, well, it's just too hard, that is bull. It is not too hard. You're just too dang lazy. That's all that is. Chuck, I I want God's goodness, but I don't want to have to do anything to find it. Well, then you're never going to have it. The Bible won't tell you to take the job, but it will tell you where to go and what to do. How do I know that? The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 105, listen to what it said, your word. Now, the word means two things. It means this book, and it means Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And, I mean, the word was, was with God, and the word was God. The word is Jesus himself, and it is this book. So you say, well, Chuck, that word, according to the psalmist, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. See, in the ancient days, they had these little circular things about this big right here. And it was a clay, kind of a little little pottery piece. And they would put like a piece of string, a wick in it, kind of cottony, and they'd pull it out of a spigot. It looks like a tiny little teapot. And they would fill oil in it and let it absorb into that wick. And they would light the end of that wick. And when you walked at night in the ancient Israeli area, you would bend over with this little candle built, holding it in your hand, and it would guide your step. And you say, well, what's the big deal? No pavement, rocks everywhere. You'd stumble and fall. And when you fell, you would hurt yourself because whatever you fell on was going to injure you more than walking at a park because there is no grass. Back in the day in Israel, you didn't go lie down in green pastures. You had to walk in desert rocks. And so they would hold this and it would guide them. The psalmist is saying that this word, when you get it in your life and you let Jesus give you that joy by obeying him and following him, that this word is a lamp like you hold and it will guide you so that you don't fall and you don't get off his path. But you see, you make that choice. Well, Chuck, I'm just too dang busy. You're right. You're absolutely right. 
you're too dang busy. Because if you don't have five minutes in your day to get God's word in you, you don't deserve any joy because you've chosen not to have it. I mean, you've literally said, God, no thanks for your joy. I can handle this on my own. That's why 50% of us are racked with anxiety right now because we've chosen to not get joy in our soul. Listen, when these wise men got there, when they met Jesus, the first thing they did was worship him. The second thing they did was give him gifts. Why? They were overwhelmed with joy because his presence brings joy. Listen, some of us need to go to the manger today and say, give me joy. Maybe your prayer today could be, God, I am living and tired of a joyless life. I want you to fill me up. Would you move this stress on? Would you eliminate this this bitterness and, and this resentment? God, would you give me crystal clear direction? And when you ask for that, the very next step is to ask him where to go. But it is here. It's already here. But you have to make that choice. And you decide what that's going to happen. I told you last week, and I'll say it again this week. You cannot cling to something that you're not close to. And the fastest way to get close to him is right here. I pray, Lord, would you give me wisdom and direction so that I could see it in a million different pieces this day and get in the scriptures. It's not about how much you read, it's that you read. It's not about do I read it through in a year, stop that, you're not going to do it. But I'm going to get scripture in my soul every day. It may be three verses, but I'm going to get it in my soul every day. I'm going to pray every morning, I'm going to get it in there. And when that happens, I'll promise you, all of a sudden you're drawn to get near the brokenhearted in places like Uvalde and the Yucatan and Path and Kenya and schools and Meals on Wheels and foster care and single moms and all the other things. And what will happen is you'll get into the word, you can't get enough of it, and you need to feed your soul just like you need to feed yourself breakfast. And then you'll get busy using your gifts and your talents and your skills and your finances and your food, and your joy will overflow and you'll be a blessing to so many. But it starts with, I want your joy, and I'm choosing to follow you. That's the whole story right there. You wonder what Christmas is about? It's not about a wonderful life. It's about a joy-filled life. It's about Jesus. No other story will fill you with joy but Jesus. Let's pray. Friend, today the choice is do you choose Jesus? And if you want to choose Jesus, he's there for the asking. All you've got to do is say, Jesus, I don't want to be joyless. I want to be joy-filled. Would you step into my life and forgive me and bring me peace? I want you to be my Savior, my Lord. I want to sing like that song says. I want to love you with all my heart. I want to adore you. Would you become so real in my life that I couldn't help but accept that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me and you're sitting beside God the Father in heaven creating a home for me right now. And friend, if that's your prayer and you want to ask Christ to come into your life and fill you with joy, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would give us wisdom and direction this day. Let us see in a million different ways how your hand is working in our life. God, let us 
lay down our bitterness and resentment. Let us do away with confusion and find direction in your word. And let us remove and replace anxiety with your joy. And I pray you would do that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. So today, my friend, as you leave, take this Jesus and let him go before you and make a way. Let him make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because in that is the direction and the joy that only Jesus can bring. He'll do that because he is always good and you are always loved. And then when things get difficult, let him pick you up and carry you, not around the problem but through the middle of it, only to set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap you up in his loving arms so you can hear your Savior say, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you, friends. Go in peace. 